The preaching of the cross saved in the first century and the preaching of the cross will save in the 21st century. Praise God. Hallelujah. I believe that with all of my heart and with all of my soul. I asked the Lord where to go today, (laughs) amen, in the Word, because we could go to so many places in the Word. But I want you to turn with me for just a few moments in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. And listen to it very carefully because this is a prophetic word and it's been interpreted in many different ways. You will find the same situation when you go to the book of Revelation. But a change is coming, and I believe it's coming in our generation, when there's going to be such a revelation of what all of this means, because one person will see it one way, and one will see it another way. And it doesn't mean that it's all erroneous. It means that we don't see as clearly as God said we would see at the time of the end. The time of the end, there's going to be a clarity given to these deep mysteries. Amen. And it's going to be brought forth plainly. And there's a hunger in the heart. I want to tell you that right up front. There is a hunger in the heart. And God has put it in there so that we will seek Him for this deeper knowledge and understanding. Amen. Things that were sealed in the time they were written and have been sealed. And by the way, when we read this word in a moment, seal the book, it means to, similar to what it would be to take into protective custody in the Hebrew. When someone rats on some mobster and they know they've got a hit out on them, they take them to a safe house where nobody knows the address, and they keep them safe until the day that they're going to testify in court. And it's called protective custody. And that's exactly after Daniel wrote everything the angel showed him. God said, seal it up until a particular time when it would be unsealed and understood. Can you say amen? So these things that have been deep mysteries, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a, a, a prophecy uh, professional. I'm not, that is not everything that I delve into. I'm a preacher of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, a proclaimer of the cross. But we are in a prophetically significant time. When Daniel began to get this vision, he was, he, he, he was, he was, he, he had come through so much. And when God began to visit him and the angel came to him, it shocked him when the angel came. You see, this book is not like any book in the world. God had a hand in it. Amen. You say, well, men wrote it. Yeah, but not just anybody and not just under any circumstance. Holy men wrote when they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. And in some instances, angels themselves came and brought the message. Sometimes Christ appeared personally like he did to John on the Isle of Patmos and said, Write. Amen. God put it in your heart. There's a hunger in your heart 
to said, Brother Venable, if you ever teach on the book of Revelation, I'd love you to teach on that. Well, I could only give you the highlights of it. But, you know, as I was reading the book of Revelation, rereading like I always do, it said, Blessed is he that hears the prophet. There's a blessing on that book, on he that reads it and he that hears it. You say, well, it's such a complicated book and there's so many mysteries and, and so many really misunderstandings. People have tried to figure out who the Antichrist was. But it's not time. It, it could happen tomorrow. But we don't know yet. And we can speculate all we want, but we can't biblically declare. Uh, but something is happening. And I just want to go with that for a few moments. Something is happening. Things are getting clearer. And, peop- and more scholars are becoming agreeing. So there's not so much complicated, mysterious stuff. Because God wants us to know. He wants us to know. You know why people are perishing today? It's very clear. Lack of knowledge. And I'm talking about people that grew up in church, Sunday school, sit in church. But they haven't come to a revelation that they need. And there's a vast difference in just giving mental assent and and getting a personal revelation, a rhema of the Word of God. The Word itself is logos and it is holy and God watches over it to perform it. But it's not going to help you or me until it gets from our head to our heart. And if it doesn't get from our head to our heart, the seed doesn't fall in good ground because it's not in the ground. And if it don't get in the ground, Jesus said the fowls of the air will come and eat the seed if it doesn't get planted. Amen. And then it's as if it was never sown at all. We become unfruitful. So this is an important portion of Scripture. And I want to try to begin to give you something to think about and something to look forward to uh, in this word that we're going to read today. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. And it says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words. Seal. Everybody say protective custody. Seal the book. By the way, he sealed it when he rolled it up. It was a scroll back then, not a book like you have. But he rolled that scroll of parchment up, and they could put a wax seal on it, or some other way of sealing the book. But the word spiritually meaning, not just hide the book somewhere, because we have the book. We have the book of Daniel. But it's sealed in terms of the understanding of exactly what it means. And let me just say this about that. Uh, I believe with all of my heart, because the Jews have the book of Daniel and they accept it. They don't accept Revelation. They don't the book of Revelation except Messianic Jews. And there's a growing number of them. Uh, you can't quote the New Testament to them. They, they, you don't take them there to tell them about Jesus. You take them to their own prophets. You take them to the book of Isaiah before you go to the book of John. Amen. Amen. Because they already believe Isaiah. Amen. They're already looking for Messiah. And he's going to be identified in the Old Covenant And if they will accept what the Old Covenant says, they're going to see Jesus in the New Covenant fulfilling everything prophesied of Messiah in the Old Covenant. And 
as the tribulation approaches, and Israel is going to be uh, under the gun. That's why the Bible said if you're on the housetop, uh, you know, don't go down and pack. Get out of Dodge when the Antichrist wants to destroy you. Amen. He's talking to that nation. Let me say another thing. I'm going to say a lot, and all of it isn't going to sink in. I'm not going to try to cover it all. We're going to have to get in a sequential teaching for this and get deeper into the Word of God. But listen to this carefully. There are scriptures when Jesus is speaking to Jewish disciples and the nation of Israel. And there are scriptures that are to Jews and Gentiles that make up the church. And if we don't separate them from when he's talking about the Jewish nation, from the Christian body of Christ, Jew and Gentile, we're, we're going to interpret things wrong. We'll have the church going through the tribulation because of certain scriptures spoken to Jewish followers concerning the Jewish nation. Amen. And, and I just want to make it very clear today what the tribulation is before we finish reading this. The tribulation is called the day of Jacob's trouble. It begins with Israel. It covers the entire world. But it begins with the centerpiece of all prophecy, and that is the nation of Israel. The time of Jacob's trouble. The Bible said it is a time in the Old Testament that I see men with their hands on their loins as a woman in labor getting ready to give childbirth. Uses the same language because of the pressure and the pain of that time. The Bible said there's never, you can't place it Something that already occurred in history. Because the Bible said there has never been a time like it. And there will never be a time like it again. It is the consummation of everything uh, that God has planned to save and deliver. And it's the consummation of, of, of the judgment of the wicked. And it's all brought to light in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. And we're warned about that book. There's a strong, stern warning. We're already messing with the Bible. And the Bible says to us, leave it alone. If you don't understand it, if you don't like the way it's interpreted, we're trying to get a Bible that is, uh, that is gender, politically correct Bible. And there is one out there somewhere. Nobody wants to buy it that knows the Word of God. But there's a Bible out there that's gender. God is not a he. He's just an it, I guess. They want Bibles that do away with the doctrine of hell, or they want a Bible that they can twist the Word so it doesn't allow for hell. But the Word of God is the Word of God. And it will stand forever. And he didn't ask us to try to make it palatable to the world. He asked us to declare it. And not in a mean way. Amen. But Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We're motivated 
because we highly motivated. We, we're filled with compassion. There's a danger to everyone outside the covenant of grace. It's a fearful thing, the Scriptures declare, to fall into the hands of the living God. What does that mean? That means that if we face Him as our judge, we have no defense. But if we face Him as our Savior and our Sovereign, washed in the blood of Jesus, there's nothing to fear. And the Bible said in the book of Revelation, I saw the great men, the small men. I saw the bondmen, the free men. I saw every, every uh, sphere of, of humanity. In, see, the, it rich or poor, bond or free, it doesn't matter. I saw every person on this planet during the tribulation that are facing Him as judge. And the Him that they are facing is God the Father, and the judgment from God the Father has been committed to God the Son. And said when they have to stand and look at the one they, they, they rejected, the Bible said how much sore punishment, I'm going over ground, but we want to get it through this morning. How much sore punishment? If they perished under Moses' law, amen, and the law of God through Moses, that, that sinned, of how much sore punishment? Suppose ye that they shall be worthy, that have trodden underfoot the blood of the everlasting covenant. When you hear the gospel and you hear clearly and know clearly what Christ has done in your behalf, and you choose the darkness over the light, and you walk away as if He didn't exist and He didn't go to the cross in your behalf, you're literally like wiping your feet on His shed blood. Now, a friend of mine, the Bible said, how shall we escape, what, the judgment to come? If we do what? If we neglect such a great salvation as this. If I was on a cruise with you and we were on our way to follow Paul's missionary journeys as some Bible cruises will take you, and you fell overboard, and I took a, one of those life preservers with a rope on it, and I hurled it over the side within reach of you. Your means of salvation is within your reach. You say, I don't believe a loving God would send anyone to hell. A loving God has went to the greatest extent that He could go to keep anybody from going to hell. And He's on record as saying, it's not His will that any perish but that all come to salvation, all have eternal life. Oh, don't fall for this idea that before you were born, you were destined for heaven or hell. You wouldn't have a free will to choose if that was the case. Can you? And there would be no hope for you and no reason for me to share the gospel with you. But Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to every creature. Everybody, hallelujah. Thank God, everybody in this room can be saved. Everybody, everybody in Tampa can be saved. Everybody in Florida can be saved. Everybody in the United States can be saved. Everybody in the islands of the sea can be saved. Everybody in the world, go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus to everybody. Hallelujah. So that everybody has an opportunity. And the Bible said when the consummation of all things come in the book of Revelation, when this gospel 
God is going to get it to the world. It's beginning right now. It's going to the world like never before. Jesus couldn't reach as many people as we Christians and we preachers are reaching with the gospel today. Because of the internet and because of radio and because of television and iPads and iPhones, the gospel is going to the four corners of the earth. And God said, I'll bring them. A prophetic word here, I'll bring them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Well, it has to be the media initially that he's talking about. Brother Hobbs, I'm feeling such a powerful anointing. I, I feel this way down in, the, in my toes, in my shoes. People are going to come to God. Chains are going to be broken. Daniel, everything that you've seen is not for now. In fact, it's not for a long time. But when we get near the end, the seal will be broken. And here's what it says. Seal up the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. And knowledge shall be increased. Now initially I can take you to John Wilbur. The past president of Dallas Theological Seminary. One of his books and one of the many writers. And they're going to they're gonna say this. And, and listen to what it says. Or what many said. We're in an age... And I'm not going to discount this, but this goes deeper than that. We're in an age of technology. There are more scientists alive today than there's ever been. There's more tech. The techno- if you get an iPhone today, it's going to be outdated next year. Technology is not just moving forward. It is racing. Everything, it's racing. My great-grandmother lived in Kentucky in the mountains. No electricity. My meemaw had no electricity. Can you imagine? We went three days doing one. Well, we went through Irma. We were out for almost three days. I thought I was going to croak. It wasn't just the television, all the other stuff you miss. You know, it, it was the heat and the air conditioner. And it's kind of nice to have a light instead of, you know, when it's that hot and humid and you're lighting candles and using flashlights and worrying the battery's going to go down. She, there's no electricity. They, they, from the time of Daniel, no wonder they made this case, from the time of Daniel's writing until her day, not much had changed. They used an oil lamp. Daniel's day, oil lamp. They burned wood for their fireplace. In Daniel's day, they burned wood to cook and to heat. They rode on horses, camels. She didn't ride a camel, but they had a horse that they rode to town. Their dentist came through once a month on a horse, going from place to place. He didn't have any Novocaine. But he had a good pair of pliers (laughs) or something similar. One winter, he couldn't come on his horse. I said, what did you do? She said, I had a cavity. It became infected. The pain kept me up day and night. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was walking the floor. And she said, he's not coming. 
I can't get it pulled, and I can't pull it myself. So she said she took an ice pick, heated it until the end glowed red, and stuck it down in the tooth. What a woman. Before there ever was a wonder woman, she was a wonder woman. I'll never be the man she was. Amen. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to do it, John. I said, Lord, take me home. <laughs> I can't stand this and I sure can't do this. But you know what? She said, she said, Bobby, she said, I killed it killed the nerve. She gave herself a root canal. Cauthorized that 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 she killed the nerve. Oh, the tooth finally died and come out. But the nerve was burnt up. <laughs> it couldn't hurt no more. She said it felt so good after, after it was over with. Not the Lord have mercy. No wonder they thought, especially some years ago, because of the technology, many shall run to and fro, travel, uh, not just in sailing vessels any longer, dependent on the winds, but steam and fuel vessels and the airplane and air travel. Many shall run to and fro. Technology shall be advanced, marking the end time. But this is deeper than the advance of technology. Because this is not in the context of just the advancement of technology. But what happens in this scripture is, in the time of the end, many shall run to and fro. And the result of the running to and fro is what? Knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of what was sealed until the time of the end. That's the context. And what was sealed? That scroll with what we read in the book of Daniel. Why is it still in there since we have the book of Revelation? It's because the Jewish nation has not accepted the New Testament as an authority book except Messianic Jews that have seen it. And many of them accepted it because they read in the book of Daniel and in the book of Isaiah the prophecies concerning Jesus. And he fulfilled them to the letter. And they knew they were not blindly accepting somebody else's statements. They were listening and seeing and believing their own prophets. Can you say man? So a Messianic Jew tells you, if you want to win another, a Jewish, Orthodox Jewish person to Christ, take them to their own prophets first. And all the prophecies of Messiah. Because in the Old Covenant, a promise is made. And in the new covenant, a promise is kept in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Jewish scholars said when they would read and study the scriptures, they would read it like this. Have you ever, have you ever studied for something and you read it and you go back so it really gets down inside you and you read it again? And sometimes you put your finger right under the text. He said people are going to start to study this book like never before. Because God is going to put a hunger to know in them. Especially as the end approaches, there's a hunger that God is putting in the heart to know. You know, I, I love the, the, the story of David and the cave of Adullam. Because in the cave of Adullam, David went to hide from Saul. 
But they had heard what David, the exploits David had done, and God's Spirit was with him. And all those that were in debt, and all those that were cast down, and all those that were under pressure, and all those that were just just feeling hopeless and helpless, they came to the cave of Adullam. Because they wanted to know, is God still moving like that? Can we expect Him to move in our behalf? And you know what came out of the cave of Adullam? Because David taught them in there the things about God Himself. Amen. The David's mighty men of valor. And if you think David and Samson and a few others were the only mightily anointed people that did these exploits, uh, when these men came out, there was a list of all the things that they did under the anointing of God. And it's because of what David taught them about God. They that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Not just a few chosen people, but anyone who comes into the full revelation of who He is and what He's able to do and what He will do and His great plan. Hallelujah. They did things that rivaled anything David did under the anointing of God. And they wouldn't have done anything if he hadn't taught them about God. Amen. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let not the mighty man glory in his strength. Let not the, the wise man glory in his wisdom. But he that glorieth, let him glory in this, that he knows and understands me. This is not just about understanding prophecy in either book, Revelation or Daniel. This is about getting an understanding of God Almighty. The high and lofty one that inhabits eternity can be known by revelation and by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus who said if you've seen me you've seen the Father can you say amen oh by the way the book of Revelation before everybody jumps to the mysteries and jumps to the plagues and jumps to figuring out the Antichrist it's not about the Antichrist it's all of these plagues it's all about one person it's about one person and his victory and our victory because of his victory. Amen. It's about Jesus. The revelation of who? Jesus Christ to John on the Isle of Patmos. What is the first thing he sees? The first person he meets? Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Who is coming in the last chapter to rule and to reign forever? Jesus. Hallelujah. One preacher said, I got so excited when I read the first chapter, I couldn't wait to see how it ended. <laughs> so I turned to the last chapter. He said, we win. And then when I read all the in-between, I didn't get scared, confused, messed up. Hallelujah. Because I knew this book was to edify me. Amen. To lift me up and give me courage and give me hope. Because the devil is going to do his worst. And in spite of his worst, we're going to win. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 You'll see the devil at his worst in the Antichrist. But you'll see Jesus at his best. Can you say amen? Wow. Seal the book until the time of the end. That's when people are going to get it. People are going to look for it. The Jewish nation is going to turn to that book when all the things that begin to occur in that nation 
during the tribulation. They're going to go back to their prophets and they're going back to the prophetic book. And you know what's going to happen? Scales are going to fall from their eyes and they're going to see Jesus as their Messiah. Amen. What the devil means for evil to destroy them, God is going to use for good. God, according to the book of Revelation, is going to raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists and send them to preach the gospel. And when, the, oh, by the way, and he's not even, and he's going to give angelic assistance. And I saw an angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto every kingdom, tongue, and nation. Amen. And when this gospel of the kingdom is preached unto all the world, then shall the end come. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I want you to know the gospel is powerful. And God says if you dare to preach the gospel, don't just preach some political, social message this thank god for all the good works that we can do in the name of compassion and love but this is not a social organization can you say amen this is not about social justice this is about god's judgment and the way to escape it through the cross and the blood of jesus can you say amen there's a church in tampa and it says we preach the gospel And then in parenthesis it said, the end of social injustice. As if that's the gospel. That's not the gospel. It's a good thing. We ought to have social justice. How many know what tomorrow is? Martin Luther King's birthday. Nonviolent. But look what he did. Look what he accomplished by inspiring people. That's social justice. We ought to be involved in social justice. There ought not to be no black and white or rich or poor. By the way, it's not just your skin color. It's your, you know, we had a guy come to our church years ago. And he said, I just moved into a new home. And the reason he came to our church, he heard a tape. He was hungry. and he, <laughs> Because he was going to a big, beautiful church. But he wasn't being fed in his spirit you know, the choir can sing on key. They can be in robes, by the way, choir robes. If you've got a big choir, you've got a big budget. Just put robes on them, choir robes. I looked in Christian bookstore before it went out of business. I didn't know Disney. Disney Company owned the, the family Christian franchise. The mouse is everywhere. <laughs> Amen. Uh, seriously. So, so they were not necessarily committed to any cause of Christ. Uh, I'm not talking about the employees or the books they carry, but they, the corporate thing, was not about getting the gospel to the world. If you don't believe it, try to you know see what a Bible cost you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. There's nobody cutting no corners to get the word out. Publishers are making money. Gospel singers that have contracts with gospel recording. Thank God for the gospel going forward. But some have ulterior motives. This is not a social organization. This is a spiritual organism. This is a living body of the Lord Jesus Christ and His members in particular. And we have been given a particular, peculiar message to the world. 
Can you say amen? We, we need to tell them the good news. Gospel means good news. Go into all the world and preach that good news to every single living being. And the Bible said and they went everywhere preaching what? Their organization, their denomination, their healing anointing, their prophetic anointing. They went everywhere. Their social change. So No, they went everywhere preaching the good news of Jesus. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord working with them. Can you say man? Confirming the word with signs following. I want to submit to you this morning. The day of signs and wonders and miracles are not over. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? They are not over. They are not over. Because Jesus is the same. Yesterday. Today. Right here. Right now. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. I I, I love the Sunday school class where Sherry was talking about. Does anybody... Does anybody know about a miracle? Does anybody know anyone that got a miracle? And I, I love it when Kayla, who is now how old? 14? 14. She was probably six or seven then. And Kayla said, me. Because I remember when they were not supposed to have any children at all. I remember Sherry coming down and was reading from the scripture for Sherry and Doug that he maketh the barren woman to, to, to bear children and be a joyful keeper of house and hallelujah, make her to sing and to bear children. The barren woman, he can do that. He's a God that raises the dead. That means a dead womb can come alive. A dead reproductive system can suddenly become productive. And, and here we have not only an answer to prayer that was told us, we have a person say, because it was rehearsed to her that you're the result of a God who answers prayer. And people who pray to that God. Hallelujah. And there's nothing impossible. And then she had severe ear problems that threatened her hearing. And once again, once again, doctors did what they could. But we knew who stepped in with his healing power. Can you say man? I'm so glad that it's happening today. It's happening to people we know. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. It will happen to us. If we understand and know and understand the God that we serve. Let not the wise man glory in his riches, in his wisdom nor the mighty man in his strength. Nor the rich man in his riches. But he that boasts, that's what the word glory means. But he that boasts, let him boast in this. It's okay to brag on God. Amen. Hallelujah. That he knows. And, here's the breakdown point. And he understands me can you say man you see they knew God when they came out of Egypt they did not understand him they knew his miracles and his wonders but the Bible said that Moses knew his ways and ways means his method of operation if they just knew if they just knew how to trust him They wouldn't have had to wait 40 years to finish a 10-day journey. 
It was ten days by foot from where he brought them out to where he wanted to take them in if they had kept on target and kept moving forward in faith. And it took them 40 years to get there. Because they turned back, Psalm 78 says, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They knew His wonders. Moses knew Him deeper than the Red Sea party. Deep, oh, come on, you've got to get way beyond what the average Pentecostal is so super satisfied with. Amen. What happens when you run up against something that looks impossible and you don't know God's ways? You turn back. You give up. You give in. You doubt God, and in their case, they accuse Him. Our God must hate us. For He brought us out into the wilderness to die. That's one thing for you to hit a circumstance that is hard to believe God for. It's another thing to cop out by, by accusing God of being unfaithful. The devil then has not only filled you with doubt and unbelief, he's got you accusing God. And honey, that's the last place you want to be. You can't keep going on what you see. You can't keep going on what you feel. You have to get a hold of the Word of God, and you need a revelation from the Word of God. Can you say amen? Don't glory in anything that the flesh can find to glory in, but glory in this. If you get this, you've got something to boast in God about that you know and understand me, that I am the Lord that executes righteousness and judgment and mercy in all of the earth. For in these things I delight, saith God. Hallelujah. There's a judgment coming. But there's a mercy provided that we don't have to fear the judgment to come. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, what? The judgment. No one will escape that. The great white throne is right there showing it in the book of Revelation. But the Bible said we have not been appointed to wrath. The justifiable anger of God. The judgment of God. And I want to tell you what the book of Revelation is all about. First three and a half years is that deception of the world and that particular deception of Israel itself. And the last three and a half is all of the plagues. It's going to be condensed into a three and a half year period. It's a seven year period, but the last three and a half are going to be... The world is going to look like a utopia just before all of that breaks loose. And man through man is going to think he's found all the answers to all of the problems that plague us this very day. The world is primed for the Antichrist to step on the scene. They just hit a button in, in Hawaii this week. The shifts changed and some doofus came in and decided to check the button that says missiles are headed their way to see if it works. And, a, and an alarm, alarm. Yeah, you've got to be a doofus to mess with that button if missiles aren't coming. Amen. I, I bet he's in worse shape than being called a doofus because they went on high alert and it went around the world. Lit up the internet. Missiles are headed toward Hawaii. 
Well, why would they think that? Because we got a crazy person over in Iran, and we got a crazy person over <laughs> over in North Korea, <laughs> and we got a crazy person somewhere else. I won't say because <laughs> I I don't want to get political here today. <laughs> But pray for kings, right? Am I right? And those in authority, why? So that we can live a peaceable life. Crazy person in Korea said, on my desk, I got the button to loose my nuclear arsenal. They found out the other day. They found out just the other day. They found out the CIA was way behind. They already have stuff capable of reaching America. And they thought it was a long way off. And they've kind of been soft on Korea. And now a knee-jerk reaction is not just don't be softless. Well, we might need to take them out. Well, you know, so the world is a tinderbox. And war can break out anywhere, just like the Bible said. There should be wars and rumors of wars. And, honey, it's been that way since the beginning. But not like it is now. It's getting closer and closer and more volatile. Because man has never had the destructive power. The man who contributed to the inventing of the atomic bomb. And that's like a firecracker compared to what we have now. It's way beyond that. For the first time in the history of man, man has the power to self-destruct. If enough nations loosed all of that against each other at the same time. The mushroom clouds, as one speculative person looking at prophecy, would become so thick that the moon would appear red because of all of that in the atmosphere. There's so the ozone layer breaking down and letting the sun rays that are filtered to keep us from skin cancers and things uh, uh, would be broke down and it would come in its full force and, and men would find themselves with sores all over their body. This is, this is not just something God has to set in motion. This is something that man is setting in motion his doofus self. Say, Brother Ben, I don't think you think it's disrespectful to call people a doofus. What is wrong with you? David said, Lord, you pity me because you knew what a fool I've been. Amen. Reason you got mercy on me is because I admit to you what a doofus I am. But we're living in a world that's living in the fear. When I was in, in, in elementary school, they gave me a dog tag, just like they do to a military man. Had all my information on it. Why? Because back during the days of President Kennedy, they were bringing missiles to set up in Cuba. And our ships met them in a barricade out in the water. And they're either going to turn back or they're going to start a war. And if they start a war, it will go nuclear. And if it goes nuclear, they're going to release their missiles from Russia toward us, intercontinental ballistic, and we're going to lose our missiles toward them. And they blinked. And they turned back. Thank God. And God showed He's still in control. Can you say, man? But 
God, not Kennedy, not Trump. God is our protector. He is our shield. Can you say amen? And if that shield came down, something happened September the 11th. So many years ago now. And a shield had to come down for it to occur. It wasn't that our enemies are so smart and so shrewd. And No, no, a shield came down. And what, what was the target of our enemy? It was the financial epicenter. It was the financial. It was those, those towers were dealing with world finance and finance in America. Because we have lost the message of the cross, the soon coming of Jesus. We have lost the message of judgment to come. We've lost the message. We have toned down the gospel and dumbed it down. And we, we are right now, you know what most Pentecostals are following in America? You know what is really, really bringing momentum? You know what most are following? They're following a materialistic message. It is a get-rich gospel. Amen. You can have, God wants you to have all of this. God wants you, and some of it is so foolish. And some of the people teaching Scripture out of, and by the way, it's a slippery slope. When you get on that slope, you look at everything through the lens of the material and the physical world. And you begin to read Scripture. And when you see, I want you to have a life more abundant, you see better cars, bigger houses, and more gold in your purse. And that is not what the abundant life is all about. And the Jesus they should be preaching taught, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. And one of the temptations of Jesus was when the enemy, the small g God of this world, took him and showed him the kingdoms of the world and said, I've, since I am the influence over the kingdoms of this world, the spirit that now works in who? Every child of disobedience. The rulers of the darkness of what world? This world that fell when He came and man bowed to Him instead of God and gave Him an influence and authority that God never authorized. But He gave man the dominion and man gave it up and gave Him a place that He would have never had if Adam hadn't sinned. It was on Adam. Eve was involved in it, but it was on Adam. If you want to be the head of your house, be the head of your house. Be the leader spiritually. Don't let your wife do all the praying. Don't let your mama do all the intercession. Stand up, as Paul said, put ye like men and be strong, which means act like a man. Spiritually. Can't have it both ways. When preacher said, I told my wife when I first got saved, I come in the door, read that scripture. And I said, I'm the captain of this ship. She says, said, my wife turned around and said, sit down, clown, you're rocking the boat. You can't just get respect. You, yeah, I know. Give me fist bump, fist bump. Amen. His wife wasn't there yet. Amen. She, what is it? Beware of the man that says he's head of his house. He may tell other lies. Anyway, moving right along. You can be the head of your house if you gain the respect 
Sarah respected Abraham. He didn't have to pull rank on her. He didn't have to pull rank on her. He didn't have to pull rank on her. She respected him. His walk with God. His life in God. Amen. She called him Lord. Not Lord like God. This is a different. But he, he was her head. And he was her husband. And she respected him. And when we get men of God. That will follow God. And become godly men. Your wife's going to respect you. My wife came during the story, some, some incident. Some issue. And I, I so appreciated it. She said, you're the priest in this home. You're the head of this house. You can pray about this. You can intercede for this. Not that she wasn't going to, but she knew my place and my life. Irma came. We got a grandfather oak sitting over <laughs> against my house almost. If it comes down, it's going to come through the roof. The hair came before Irma. I went out and put my hands on the tree. And I told it, I said, you hold on, tree. You say, Brother Vimble, we got a preacher talks to trees. Lord, I knew, I knew he was burning out, but I didn't know he was already burnt out. Man done talking to trees. Well, God said you could talk to a mountain. Not just a tree. Amen. Come on, don't everybody want to talk to God about it? He said, Listen, there's you got faith and you got authority, not my authority, but you do have faith and you do have I talked to that tree. I put my hands on it and I said, Oh grandfather oak. You think the tree listened? No, I do not. But I believe God heard me talking to that tree. Hallelujah, because before I talked to the tree, I talked to God about the tree. And I told him, I said, Lord, don't let this tree fall on my house. And then I went over to the tree and I said, tree, you ain't falling. You hold on. I know your roots ain't deep and I know you're old. And I know it's going to get wet in the ground and I know you're heavy. So am I. Amen. And while we're laughing, two hurricanes come through. The last one was worse than this one for trees being uprooted. And it looked like a war zone after the last one. But my big old tree's standing there. He's strong. He's healthy. Hallelujah. All the birds are happy. And the squirrels are saying, thank you, Jesus. Amen. They know who to thank. Don't think they don't. Hallelujah. God is good today. I do talk to trees. And I talk to mountains in the way of the will of God. I don't have all that authority unless the Lord reveals His will. And I don't believe it's the Lord's will to let that tree fall on my house. I wished I'd talk to the tree behind the Holy Church of God. If I knew what I knew now, I would have talked to that tree. Because I parked behind the church. Special place for the pastor. You seen those pastor spots for the pastor alone to honor him? You know where mine was? There wasn't anything marked out, but nobody ever parked in my, nobody ever parked in my spot. We had a big green dumpster behind the church, and people would fish in the Hillsborough River and dump their fish guts and heads in our dumpster. And when it's 95, 98 degrees and 120 in the dumpster, the flies, the the fish smell, and I'd pull in. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Bless the service, Lord, till I could get out of the area. But I always had my parking spot. Nobody ever took it just to honor me. 
not. <laughs> Nobody wanted to park by that old dumpster. <laughs> we had a storm one night while we were in there preaching, and there was a big whoom outside. Everybody ran to the back windows and looked out, and a humongous limb fell out of that oak tree and mashed in the whole cab of my brand first new car I ever owned in my life. It was the base model, the cheapest model they had, but it was a 1992 last new car I've ever owned in my life. I probably wouldn't own a new one again because it loses too much when you drive it off the lot and you can get one just as good. Anyway, that's another story. But it fell on the pastor's car. It mashed it flat. But I had... Still had the insurance on it, collision. They took off the old roof, which was already starting to get sun-baked, and put on a brand-new roof, and you couldn't tell that the tree had ever hit it. I wish I'd known what I know now. Oh, number one, I would use wisdom. I wouldn't have parked under that bad boy, as old as it was. But beyond that... I believe if there's nowhere else to park and I park there, I believe there is a place in God where we have some authority that we're not using. But I don't want to use it uh, to talk to oak trees. I want to use it to talk to mountains of opposition, mountains of deception, mountains of division that get between the vision to reach those souls. Amen. And what God wants to accomplish and God wants to do. We just made a covenant in our car coming in here. We said to beginning tomorrow, we don't want distraction. We've got to see clearly the path of God. We want to hear clearly the voice of God. We can't be distracted. We can't let anything or anyone, amen, that wants to talk around the peripheral. I don't don't care. It's not that I don't care. I, I can't care enough to be distracted from the heavenly vision so that when we're done with this thing and when God calls me home, I can say I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And the vision God has given me is to preach the cross and to preach the benefits of the cross and the blessings of the cross and in particular the one who hung on the cross without which the cross would mean nothing. Can you say man? Jesus and Him crucified is the good news that everyone that trusts in Him and believes in Him can be saved. And not only saved, but delivered. And not only delivered, but set free. And not only set free, but healed and kept until Jesus comes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But thou, O Daniel, shut up. Seal up, put in protective custody until the time to bring it forward. I want to submit to you right now. It's time. It's time. It's time. Because when the seal is opened in the end time, which we're in, knowledge of what? Of the sealed book that could not be understood and applied until the time of the end. To open it early, no one would get it. It wouldn't be meaningful like it's going to be and is becoming right here and right now. The seal is off. Oh, you'll find many perspectives, but make no mistake about it. 
we're in the end times. No one can deny that prophetically. There's too many other prophecies to sustain that. And the seal is off the book. And actually, the book is a record of history. And it's accurate. Because before history was written, the nations that would rise to be the most powerful in the world and fall are listed by name in the book of Daniel. And brought forward, Daniel saw this great giant of a person, the head of gold, the breastplate of silver, all the way down to the, the feet of iron and clay, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay, the old restored Roman Empire that is not as strong as it was, but strong enough to still be the major influence in the world. Before history, he saw the Babylonian Empire come and go. He saw the Median Persian Empire come and go. And the history books record it. Isn't that incredible? The Bible is not some fable. It is an accurate book of history, of archaeology, of Christology, of Oh, my Lord in heaven, the most beaten and battered book in the world is the Bible. And yet it still stands and its truth is still true in the 21st century. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Wow. That's why when I opened the holy book to teach, that's why the Bible said when you read it, you're blessed. When you hear it read, you're blessed. It's a blessing. Praise God's eternal word. And he watches over it to preserve it and to perform it. Everybody say to preserve it and to perform it. And the devil is always trying to undermine it because he can't dismantle it and destroy it unless he can get people, preachers, denominations to back away from its inerrancy and its authority. Preacher said one time, I saw the Bible when I went in. This is a turn of the century preacher, old time country preacher. He said, I went in a blacksmith shop and I saw a blacksmith hammering on, on the metal for a wa- to go around the wood for a wagon wheel. He was hammering it out, beating on the anvil with the, his sledgehammer, handheld heavy hammer. And he asked him the question. He said, how many hammers have you had? How many years have you been a blacksmith? He said, over 20 years. How many hammers have you had? He pointed to a corner of the blacksmith shop. And there were the kind of beginning to mushroom out because of the heat and the constant hitting. The ends of those steel hammers or metal hammers were starting to mushroom out. And he had to throw them away. They couldn't be accurate. And they were laying in the corner. He said, I've had many hammers. He said, how many anvils have you had? Because the anvil is built to sustain all the blows and heat. Amen. He said, only one. This is the anvil I started with. Amen. He got up the next Sunday in the pulpit and he said, the Bible has been hammered. Every generation has found people that attack it and they beat on it. They try to do everything in the world to discredit it and get us to discard it. Amen. But said, you know what? The hammers have come and gone. 
But the anvil remains. The anvil remains. This is the anvil today. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't get too upset. Get upset, but not too upset. Amen. They're not going to win. Hallelujah. Truth is going to prevail. God's st- Oh, 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 oh. Elijah thought he was the only one left in Israel jealous for God. <laughs> he wasn't. Amen. And when God tried to get him out of the cave, amen, he, he bellyached about being the only one left in Israel that's jealous for God. <laughs> it may look that way and seem that way when you isolate yourself in a cave of discouragement. And God told him something that motivated him to come on out and go on with his ministry and fulfill the heavenly vision for him. I've got 7,000 that have not bowed their knees to Baal. Oh, there's compromise everywhere you look, but I've got a people. I've always had a people. I'm always going to have a people. And when Jesus comes, he's going to take a people from a people. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We're going to win this thing. But we're going to win it by standing true. Holding fast. Hallelujah. The word of life. Because God watches over this. Not that holy so-called, it's such an unholy thing when we have a so-called holy conclave to decide whether we're going to go with the culture or go with God. The moment man has to make a decision and they're going to vote on it, they've laid this Bible down. It no longer has influence or relevance. And you ought not walk out of that church you should run out of it. Amen. There are churches that are disfellowshipping what used to be core parts of their denomination right now. Thank God for the disfellowship. I believe we need more unity, but not at the cost of compromising truth. Can you say amen? Thank God for the, thank God for the conflict. Southern Baptist Convention some years ago found out that in their Bible college, trying to get credit for ministers to go out into pulpits and get all of their credits in their psychology and sociology part of getting those credits, not just theology and bibliology and Christology, that there were people that were atheists teaching. And then they found there were professors that didn't believe the book, teaching the book. That didn't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus, which is critical to the Christian faith. Didn't believe in the virgin birth, which is critical, crucial to the Christian faith. They had a big blowout and kicked them out. Thank God for somebody that's going to say, we can't blend and we can't bend. I love the three Hebrew children, Shadrach. These were Babylonian names given to them because they wanted to change them from their God and get them away from their heritage as covenant men. But they knew who they were, regardless of the names that the Babylonians gave them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't bow down when you hear the sound, the call to worship of all the timbrels and the pipes and worship the God of the Babylonians, you're going to be thrown into that furnace. I love their answer. I love their answer. 
I love their answer. Hallelujah. They said, they said the God that we serve is able. He's able to deliver us from your hand and from this fiery flame. But whether he does or whether he don't, we're not bowing to another God. Hallelujah. They wouldn't bend and they wouldn't bow. And he said, throw them into the midst of the furnace. And the men that took them to throw them in the furnace was, oh, to intimidate them before he put it to them, the ultimatum, they heated it seven times hotter than it would have been needed to cremate them completely. And because it was seven times hotter than enough to kill them and annihilate them, the people who threw them in got so close to cast them in, it killed the people who were throwing them in. And yet the king is looking on this thing, and he said, Whoa! Whoa! We're in the south. Look at him. Look at him. Can you say man? Can you say man? What up? <laughs> Didn't we? Oh, oh, and I like this too. Because God's not only going to preserve us, deliver us. He's going to set us free from the bondage that's been holding us back. And the very trial that's coming to try to destroy us is only going to burn off the bond so we can go free. Listen to me carefully. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you about the Spirit of God all over me right now. And did not we throw three men Bound into the fire. I see four men. And they're walking. They're not bound. Did it ever occur to you that that fiery trial might just get rid of some bondage in your life so you can be free? That what the devil meant to hurt you with, God's just using to get the bondage out of you. I don't know about you, but when I go through a fiery trial, I get real humble. Come on. I know God is my only hope. Can you say man? And I get humble. When I get humble, God can speak to me real clear. Because I take the time to listen with a heart to obey. Amen. Speak, Lord. Thy servant heareth. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And I, I have a holy introspect. When I go through a fiery trial, I look to see what's in the way of God's deliverance. Because there's anything in the way, I'm in deep trouble and I want it out of the way. And it shouldn't have been in the way in the first place. I should have laid aside not only the sin that can beset me, but the weight. That means if it isn't sin in the Bible, but it's in the way of your progress and your forward momentum and your walk and your life with God. Lay it aside. You don't need it. You need Him. Let Him take the place of it. Let Him take the place of her. Let Him take the place of Him. Because when He does, you'll find out you don't have to have Him or her or them. You need Him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Your walk with God is not between you and them and Him. It's between you and Him. My son and I had a discussion about Psalm 91. I'm going to try to close with this. 
every time I would tell him what God could do for him in terms of healing, he would counteract about, well, this person was such a great Christian, that happened to them. Okay, I'm not going to deny that happened to them. But that's them. That's not you. That's not me. That's them. Well, I'm not near as close to God as they were, and that happened to them. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's them. That's them. That's them. You don't judge God's faithfulness by what happens to somebody that you consider worthy of this or that. Because if you do, you're going to discredit God and discount God when you need Him. Psalm 91 said, Because thou. Ain't nothing about them in there. Because thou. Because thou. Because thou hast made the Lord thy God thy habitation. And under His wings thou hast come to trust. Thou. You. It's all about you and Him, not you and them and Him. Amen. Thou shalt not be afraid of what is terrifying them. Thou shalt not be destroyed by what is destroying them. Can you say amen? You don't have to worry about the plague. It won't come near thy dwelling. Because thou hast put your trust exclusively in me. Hallelujah. You won't have to worry about the pestilence. Nor the plague. Nor the terror that walketh by night. Nor the error that flieth by day. Listen to this. One thousand shall fall at your side. Ten thousand shall fall at your right hand. What's the math here? One thousand and ten thousand? He's head of the math department, Plant Hitty City, Plant Hitty High School. Can you say maybe that's maybe that's accurate these days? There's 11,000 people down, destroyed. But there's somebody standing. And it's what he did in his relationship to God that allowed him to stand in the midst of the plagues and the airs and the pestilence. I don't judge God in my life by what happens to anybody else. It's not about me and them and Him. It's about me and Him. And He said, I'll never forsake you. And I'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. 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 If you're going to claim something, claim it. Don't hold it up to what happens to this one or that one. Claim it for yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seal up this book till the time of the end. Till the time of the end. And when the seal comes off in the time of the end, knowledge of what? What was previously sealed. It's the book of Daniel and not only that but since Daniel is unsealed I believe there's going to be a consensus when the Jewish populace sees Jesus in Daniel and their prophets it's going to lead them to go to Isaiah to see what he says about Messiah to Zechariah and they're going to find Jesus in those pages 
and they're going to look, then they're going to go to the New Testament and say, it is true. He's not coming. He has come, and He is coming again. And there's going to be such a revival that 144,000 are going to carry the gospel. Hallelujah to the nations of the world with angelic assistance. And when this gospel of the kingdom is preached into all the world as a witness, then will be the consummation of all things. The end will come because the opportunity to be saved will be given. Hallelujah. And man will choose. Amen. To walk away from the shed blood of Jesus, trotted underfoot, and choose darkness over light, or he'll choose, amen, to take what God has supplied and apply it to his doorposts of his heart. Can you say amen? Jewish scholars would read like this to get an understanding. They'd read the scripture, two, they'd go back and read it again and fro, to and fro, to and fro to and fro on the other side of this we're teaching right now on our let's talk about Jesus Bible study also people are seeking running to and fro throughout the earth seeking fulfillment seeking purpose in life there's just a, a movement an un un uneasiness and we teach about that but God has called his church to begin to go deeper in his word line upon line and precept upon precept and to understand that he wants us to receive revelation of his word and thereby a revelation of his person Boast in the fact that you know and understand Him. Hallelujah. For they that do know and understand their God will be strengthened with His might, His anointing, His power. And they will do whatever He wills with the supernatural strength and the supernatural provision that God gives. The gospel came not in word only. It did not. As many great theological centers as we have teaching correct theology, it did not come with only the correct theology. It wasn't enough. This is a spiritual thing. The God of this world has blinded the mind, and no matter how much truth you try to pour in it until those scales fall off, He can't see what you're saying in His Spirit, in His heart. Hallelujah. Listen carefully. This gospel did not come in word only, but in power. But in power. But in power. But in power. Say power with me. But in power. And in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance. There's something about not only listening to the preacher, but while you're listening, sensing the presence of the Holy One. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My servant said, we preach the gospel 
with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. Oh, my children, how you need the Holy Spirit now in this gainsaying world, in this backsliding church age. Especially now you need my power and my presence and my confirmation of my word. Believe me for it, for I'm ready to do it, saith God. Somebody give him praise in this room. Hallelujah. 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 No one dared to preach without the anointing in the early church. They had no confidence in themselves without God's anointing. And that's why on the day of Pentecost he told them, you do not run out with your revelation and with your truth until you tarry in the upper room. Come on, you saw the miracles, you've heard me teach, you know my teaching. You've got truth in you. But you don't go nowhere and tell nobody until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare try to do it without me and my supernatural anointing on your life. Can you say amen? Right now, we're, we think we can get smart enough theologically, well-trained enough. Amen. Taking with our bibliology and Christology, we're taking psychology. Amen. And, and, and secular psychologists are influencing how we counsel people. I don't know what, what's going on in your head. Nor do I want to. All I know is when Sean had a checkup and they put that light in his ear, you could see it on the wall. I don't, I don't. I don't know what that means. But if he can do this good without it, what if he had one? They're going to think you're crazy if you follow Jesus in this culture. Even Christians are going to think you're, you're off the rails if you talk about really committing to Christ. Amen. I've talked too long. I always do. But right now, the to and fro, people are going back to the book because we're in the time of the end. We want to know where we are in relation to His soon coming. We want to know what's about to happen, what's going to occur in as Peter put it, knowing that all of these things are going to occur. The heavens on fire with fervent heat. What manner of men ought you to be in all manner of righteousness and holiness and dedication and commitment? You should never be tempted by the world that's passing, especially now when all of this is about to occur. I'm glad I'm a Christian today. How about you? Hallelujah. And I'm going back to the Bible. I'm back in Daniel again. I'm back in Revelation again. I've been there, done that, but I'm back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm getting excited about the soon coming of Jesus. And Brother Hobbs... You've got some white hair and white beard. Amen. We're both up in that age group of over 70. But I don't believe that the day of old guys like us is over. I believe some young brother Taylor pushing that 80. Amen. We can't run like we used to, but we can preach like we used to. Because it's the anointing then, it's the anointing now. 
was it Caleb, 85? They're giving up the land. He said, don't you forget me. They're putting all the young captains ahead of these groups. And he said, hey, hey, hey. That mountain right there, I didn't back down. He said, where the sole of my feet have touched, I could claim it. I've been on that mountain. And I'm 80 and 5 years old and I'm just as... Oh, I like that because it was going to be God then. It's going to be God now. It ain't about whether I'm strong enough to get it, but is God faithful enough to give it to me? Can you say, man, if I'll go claim it? He said, I'm just as strong to go get it now as I was when I was a young man walking on it. He never gave up on the promise of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Around all that unbelief and all those unbelievers. But Caleb never gave up on on what he knew God had planned and purposed. Hallelujah. Well, I can't give up on revival. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I praise you. Will you stand to your feet? Fiery trials are here. They're coming to our house. They're coming to your house. Keep your trust in God. And if you keep trusting God through the fire, He didn't say if in the old covenant. He said when you go through the fire, when it occurs, because it's going to occur, I'm going to take you through. I'm going to take you through. It will not kindle on thee. And when thou walkest through the waters, they will not overflow thee. Mudslides are killing people in California. Floods and tidal waves from earthquakes are yet to come. But he said, spiritually speaking, when those fiery furnace conditions come and those flood tides hit, it will not overflow you. For when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Oh, and you want to know what the standard is? The next verse says, For a king shall come to Zion. (laughs) Who is the king that comes to Zion? Open wide, you everlasting gates, and let the king of glory come through. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is God's standard against the enemy. He's our banner in battle. Jehovah Shammah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, I feel like shouting it's time to go eat something. Oh, but the Word of God is so good this morning. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm in a revival meeting. I don't feel like I'm in your little sermonette for Christianettes that want to stay in Christian bassinets. they got plenty of... Nursery churches for them and sugar teats for them to suck on. But the church is in a battle and it's time for the warriors to rise up and join that battle and win it for our king and for those lost souls that sit in the darkness in chains. Hallelujah. God is so good. How many have ever had or are going through a fiery trial? How many believe God's big enough? He loves you enough. He's made a provision for you to have victory. Hallelujah. And you're going to make it today. You're not going to be consumed by it. Praise God. Let's give Him praise before we go home. How many glad you stayed?